Hi, I'm Carol Pope, and you're listening to The Stewie Tunes Show with Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. So, Aaron, what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to talk about uh, the number one export from Ireland. Oh, I love Guinness, and you know what? After the day I've had today, I could actually use a nice cold Guinness. Um, I'm sure you could, but we're talking about a music band. Oh, those guys. You too. Yes. Enjoy Guinness while you listen to You Too. That little known band called You Too from Dublin. All <laughs> right. Them. Shall we get to it? I think so. Okay, I'll cue up the theme music and then we'll get started. Welcome to the Stewie Tune Show. These are insights and commentary on the music and musicians that shape our lives. And now, let's go back to class with your hosts, Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Well, Aaron, how are you doing? I'm not doing too badly, sir. I'm not doing too badly at all. How are you doing, Tony? Well, I'm doing well, but a little disappointed that I couldn't have a Guinness, but... Uh, <laughs> Next, I promise you, when this thing is over, <laughs> I'm coming to Ottawa, I'll buy you a Guinness. But uh, you know what? I love the uh, opportunity to talk about you 2 Such a great band, and we've both been fans for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, peep. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, I should mention... Uh, because you knew this, we check stats on the podcast. We can see where people are listening from. Yes. Ireland is one of our hotbeds of listeners, believe it or not. That is our second biggest market is Ireland behind Canada and uh, bigger than the States. Good taste. Good taste in Ireland. Yes, they have great taste. (laughs) And so we said before the season started, we should do an episode about YouTube just to just as a shout out to our Irish fans. So here you and, go, folks. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's, it's one of those bands that, you know, I mean, I've, I got into during the original Irish punk phase. So there was all these Irish punk bands like Stiff Little Fingers and the Boomtown Rats and the, the Virgin Prunes and the Undertones and you too. And I, I just, they, they exploded for many reasons, but yeah. Yeah. And did, and did they ever explode? Because I remember uh, being in high school. And hearing some of my, you know, some guys that I knew talking about this band called U2, and they were just so into them. And I didn't know anything about them at the time. Uh, You know, a year later, they started becoming popular. But uh, I remember hearing Sunday, Bloody Sunday for the first time. Loved it. But uh, it was just a few guys, a few hardcore guys at at the high school. and, and And then they took off. And of course, the Joshua Tree just exploded. Yeah, that was their big, that was their first big... I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. I don't think I ever told you this, Tony. But no. when I was in high school, I had yellow spiked hair. Oh, that's right. You're supposed to get a picture to show me. Oh, that. that's right. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I got the, yeah. So you see, I was in the whole punk thing. But yeah, I, it's amazing that they're like the Beatles in one way. And that is that the Beatles in 1967 were appealing to the underground and the massive pop market. And the same can be said about you too, like Joshua Tree. That was being played on all the alternative rock stations and being played on the pop stations. Yes. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, that really broke out uh, big time. Now, I was going to say uh, to our listeners out there, whenever we do these 10 things episodes, you know, we're not here to give you U2's biography or history or anything like that because there are so many uh, wonderful sources out there. We always just like uh, using the 10 things format. It's a great way to have a conversation and I think makes for great listening too. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we could, it'd be boring just to kind of do that, and then in 1980, and then in 1984. This is just us kind of uh, picking out really interesting little tidbits about the 
about the particular artist we're talking about. And it's a nice framework. So I'm with you, Tony. All right. Well, shall we get started? Let's let's do let's. number 10 here. Go ahead. So <laughs> Bono's real name is Paul Hewson. And we can talk about uh, where he got his nickname in a minute. But I love this one, you know, because there's a few of these rock stars who are like this. Bon Jovi is another one. But uh, Bono met his spouse, Ali Hewson, uh, when she was 12. And they got married in 1982. And they have four children together, and they're still together. That's amazing. In rock and roll? Or any marriage, I think. Well, <laughs> you know I, I mean? think yeah, any marriage, yeah. but in rock and yeah. roll especially. Especially yeah. considering the success that you two had. And I, I, you know, that is a really admirable thing. In my I agree. Opinion. And he did a beautiful song for her after they had a kind of a big fight called The Sweetest Thing. Yes, that's a great song. Eh? That's a great song. And the video is fantastic. But they're they're like an ordinary couple and uh, hilarious because the the fame that he's achieved. I mean, who doesn't recognize Bono even in silhouette, right? Yeah, well, the hair, yes, and the glasses. The the, the glasses. All right, where did he get his Where did he get his name? Do you know? Well, I do know. I do know that it stands for Bono Vox, which right. kind of a Latin thing meaning good voice. Mm-hmm. And that was in school, wasn't it? That he had he, that voice. Yeah, a friend of his. Gave it to him. A guy named Gavin Friday from a band who would go on to form a band called the Virgin Prunes. And he just said, you know, that should be your name, man, because you got a great voice. Yeah. Kind of cool story. It is a great story. And you know what? You should share uh, what we were talking about, how The Edge got his name. Uh, <laughs> the Edge, David Evans is his real name, but uh, yeah. nobody calls him David Evans. But this well, is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, and the other two members of the of, of U2 are, of course, um, you know, Adam Clayton, who plays bass, and Larry Mullins Jr. on drums. So the edge got his name because... <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta, I can't stop giggling. I'm sorry. I, from what I read is that he got his nickname from the gang that Bono was in, uh, uh, Bono was in, and it was because of his face is so angular. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like his face is the edge. I always thought it came from the fact that he was so edgy on guitar, but no, it's apparently because he's got an angular face. There you go. That's yeah. where Brad. Yeah. That's very, very funny. I think but, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so there's their, uh, there's their nickname. So oh, let's move on to number nine. So uh, you go ahead and do this one. Well, number nine, wait, I was going to talk about a song called 11 O'Clock TikTok, which is actually their second single. And, um, and they re-recorded it for the first album. But the original version uh, was... Bono wrote the lyrics after seeing a goth concert, and he looked at this the, the crowd. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a goth concert. Um, pretty dour. <laughs> a lot of black, a lot of makeup, but pretty dour. Just really, you know, sad yeah. kids shuffling their feet. Um, but still, all kidding aside, he, he was at the show, and he, he kind of saw the hopelessness in this, in this group of youth, this young group. And at the same time, he was a really big fan of a band called Joy Division, so they actually got Joy Division's producer, Martin Hannett, to produce the first single. And later on, after the lead singer of Joy Division unfortunately committed suicide, 11 O'Clock TikTok became kind of a tribute to Ian Curtis, Joy Division, and that kind of movement that really impacted uh, Bono when he saw it. So I thought that was kind of a cool little piece of, you know, even even at the first second at single, they're aware of the social consciousness. But he was always aware of what was going on around him, right? So pretty cool. Yeah, and speaking of Bono, he has been aware of that. I mean, his whole career. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. our next point is just the amount of activism that he's known for. Um, oh, climate incredible. change in particular, but you name it, he is uh, 
very well connected. Uh, he's a good friend of Bill Gates. And um, I listen to a podcast, actually, that Bill Gates does. You know, I'm a big podcast listener. And uh, Bill Bill Gates and Rashida Jones do a, a very good podcast. And Bono was on there. Uh, and tons of stories. They, they have known each other for a long time and very, very good friends. But uh, I would say at this point in his life now, he is almost as well known as an activist as he is as a singer. He's very, very engaged. Yeah, he, he at a very early in the, the U2's career, they became very astutely aware of what was going on around them. And they, I guess they saw they had this platform. I mean, they did their love song, Sweetest Thing, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of with or without you. But they also saw it as an opportunity to um, to kind of address. And, and what I love about this is that the whole band supported him to do it. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, it wasn't just one member who was kind of going out on a limb, the whole band is right behind him all the time. And that's kind of cool too. Yeah. And he's, uh, it's just so well connected. And um, Bill Gates was talking about this, but he's got, uh, you know, Bill Gates said, I've got money, but you've got influence. That was his comment to him, you know, and he said, uh, you can get out there and speak and people just listen to what you've got to say. And that's a, that was an interesting point. And it's very accurate. I mean, how many, how many people, became aware of Amnesty International or became aware of, of, of a lot of issues that Bono has brought to the forefront. And he's got that position to say it and do it. So good on him. And you know what, Aaron? I, I love when I can do this. Speaking of Bono's voice, let's segue into <laughs> Band-Aid and that, uh, that Bono's vocal at Band-Aid. You know, that record, first of all, is is phenomenal record. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 and the fact that it I mean, I was working in radio when it came out, and it was just, it was like, I still get, you know, goose goosebumps when I talk about this. But when you listen to that line, and tonight, thank God it's them instead of you, only one human being on this planet can deliver that line, and that's Bono. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it steals the song. Like, you just, you gotta go, you just, you wait for that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and again, Live Aid and Band-Aid, I mean, who knew? I mean, a lot of people weren't paying attention to what was going on in Ethiopia at the time, right? Um, so, you know, here's these, you know, Bob Geldof and Midjur come together. They, you know, they write this song and they do this whole big thing. It was, it was a, and we'll talk about Live Aid in a few minutes, but I mean, Band did that song, Do the Notes Christmas, you needed Bono in there. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think anybody else could have delivered that line. And you know what I, I also admire is that he has faced so much criticism over his career and he just shrugs it off, you know, because there's always that criticism, right? You're, you're a rich, uh, entertainer, shut up and sing, but he, he knows what he's doing and he's passionate about it and he's vocal about it and, and good on him. I agree. I think the amount of, of uh, stick he has taken for, for his outspokenness on you too. I mean, I think that he, what else are you going to do? You're going to just give up? No, that's not their style. They're going to, they're going to keep forging on, you know? <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, later on in this episode, we'll talk about how they keep reinventing themselves, but uh, I think it's uh, just about time for a break. What do you think? I'm with you. All right. I've got a good uh, Canadian connection for the uh, music history <laughs> moment tonight, folks. So we'll be right back. It's always nice when we can feature a little Canadian content in the music history moment. On February 27, 1977, Keith Richards was arrested at the Harbour Castle Hotel in Toronto after he was found with an ounce of heroin following a raid of his hotel room by 15 Royal Canadian Mounted Police. 
Richards was charged with possession with intent to traffic, and he faced seven years to life in prison. His bail was set at $25,000. And now, let's get back to the show. And we're back, and boy, uh, Keith Richards got in a bit of hot water over that one, didn't he? Yeah, you know, you know, and part of that, when he got arrested and all that, he had to do a benefit show, and he did it in Oshawa. I, I, my, Whitby's my hometown, but they, they played in Oshawa at the Oshawa Civic Auditorium. Oh, okay. That's probably the biggest thing that ever hit Oshawa since GM. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, man, that was so cool. I mean, it was very cool. Didn't get tickets, of course, but I tried. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, let's move on here. So, well, speaking of tickets, wait a minute. Speaking of tickets, yeah. you've seen U two live, haven't you? I have seen U two live. That's one of my. That was on my bucket list. I saw them on July eighth, two thousand and eleven. So nearly ten years ago, at the Hippodrome in Montreal, when they were doing the uh, three hundred sixty degree tour, mm-hmm. and ninety thousand people there that day. Wow. Absolutely huge show. And you know what's cool is they actually showed uh, you know they have the pre-concert stuff going on right and the international space station is doing a little message before this show like and uh unbelievable and when the show starts you know they emerge down this ramp like do you remember seeing the footage they had that claw thing it was it was the big thing with the four legs that big oh, set yeah, piece. yeah i remember yeah 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 that was yeah. like about 140 feet tall or something it was huge now we were quite a ways back and and um i mean it was so many people there but um they emerge out of the fog down this ramp and it's like mythology almost like these you know these gods walking down this ramp and amazing amazing experience to see them play and and as soon as they start in and like we were talking about this uh, on the break a little bit but edge's guitar style is so so distinctive um, and the rhythm section of U2 is so distinctive. And you can tell, even though they've reinvented themselves quite a few times in their career, within two or three seconds, you can tell, oh, oh that's yeah. a U2 song. Did yeah, they before Bono that? opens his mouth, yeah. Yeah. And there were some great quotes, like Jimmy Page uh, said this about The Edge, because his his style is, is very, very unique. I mean, a guy like Jimmy Page saying that The Edge is a, a sonic architect. Mm. You know, what a, what a great compliment. What a great statement. Yeah. That's that's pretty brilliant. <laughs> because he uses uh, effects as part of his songwriting. And uh, and even there at that show, amazing. Watching him play the guitar. Just such a unique sound. But yeah, it was a great show. Um, very packed. But uh, that kind of did it for me for arena concerts, I have to mm. say. It was just yeah. because we were so far back that we were watching most of the show on the big screen. And mm-hmm. when you're, you know, I shelled out, I think, 400 bucks for the two of us, for Cynthia and I to go to that show. And uh, I kind of thought, boy, I think I'm going to just go to smaller venues from now on, you know. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. <laughs> it's it's tough to do that, like to, yeah. you know, yeah. to, to put out that kind of coin for a show. But uh it was on my list. Uh, the only person I would go see at an arena show is one that we're going to go see as a road trip, I think. Is, we are. Uh, we Billy are. Joel. When that, Madison we, Square. we got to get down to see that for sure. Oh, 100%. Actually, that was the last stadium show I saw was in New York City. Was I saw Jethro Tull. Oh, nice. It was very nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Let's uh, talk about his work with Brian Eno. 
Now, I'm going to just shed some light here and just say that um, I love Brian Eno. I, I, I think the man is a freaking genius. I love Roxy Music. He was in Roxy. I love his solo stuff, his ambient stuff, his soundtrack stuff. I love Brian Eno. So it was it was curious to me how it would work with um, you two and Eno working together because if you think about it, it shouldn't have worked. Only because, you know, Eno came from this kind of uh, avant-garde, very out there, and here's this band making hits. And they came together and they did the Joshua Tree. Who am I to say? Um, and, yeah. and, you know, the, the Canadian connection is that Eno produced that with Daniel Lanois. That's right. That's from right. Hamilton, right? And they would go on to produce a lot of albums for you too, kind of come and go throughout their, I guess their career or whatever you want to say. I'm just trying to, I got some notes here, but you know what? The bottom line is that Eno brought something out and that, and what he brought out in the band was this kind of layering. So if you listen to you two, you know, you got the edge guitar, you got the, you know, the, the way the drums come in, the bass, it's very layered and it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I think that, um, some of their best work was done with Eno as a producer, you know, mm -hmm. my, in my humble opinion, you know, right up until the Zuropa album, right? I mean, he, and he produced, well, we're going to talk about favorite songs in a minute, but he produced an album called No Line on the Horizon, which is, you know, fantastic album. And again, it's got that whole layered thing going on. And for you, and for you fans out there, I know you know, of YouTube fans, I know you know about The Passengers, which was the album that Eno and U2 did wrote fake, it's like a fake soundtrack album and Pavarotti's on it. It's a wild album. It's a great album. And you know who I'm going to do a shout out here. Uh, you know, who is a big Brian Eno fan who? is our mutual friend, Bernard Fraser. I know. Yes. yes. And do you know why I'm going to do a shout out? Because Bernard is getting ready to release a podcast called the essence of cool. I'm helping him get that ready for release. And I know that you were a guest on it. And so was I. And what a lineup he's got. And his first episode, when that releases, is featuring Carol Pope. So I'm looking forward to catching uh, Bernard's show when that comes out. I'm so looking forward to it. And it's probably one of the highest compliments I've ever had to be included in that lineup of people. Because I think that his guests are pretty damn cool, including you. Um, and I just thought, what a great concept. And yeah, I look forward to his podcast. And and for those of you who haven't heard the new Church of Trees single, yes, well worth searching out with Carol Pope. Fantastic song. It is fantastic. Great video as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I told Bernard the same thing after we did our interview. I said, Bernard, you know, I feel like I'm the least qualified guy that you're, you've got in the lineup this season. But uh, he's Tony, very got, gracious. Super nice I've, guy. I've got every Josh Groban album. I do not qualify as cool. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, when that when that uh, when that <laughs> show comes exactly. out, uh, when that show comes out, we will let you know, folks. But uh, another good podcast to listen to, and Bernard's yeah. a fantastic interviewer. So yeah. So let's move on. Number five. It's hard to believe we're down to number five already. Uh, this band, U two, twenty two Grammy awards. So that's a record more than any other band. Twenty two Grammys. That's wow. that speaks for itself. I don't I don't know what more to say about that, Aaron. You know. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else to I mean, you could talk about their record sales. You could talk about their number ones. But that's pretty impressive. 22 Grammys, right? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, and I bet you, if you talked to them when they first started out, you know, you're going to win 22 Grammys, they would have probably laughed at you. Oh, exactly. 
Exactly. You know? And you know, it's hard to believe like that band's been together since 1976. Without a member change. Yes. Let's be clear because since there's so many bands that are still together, you, you know, that so-and-so's left and so-and-so's in now, they've, same four, since 76. I mean, I think the only band that lasted longer was Rush. But amazing. unfortunately, you know, 76 to now. Amazing. I mean, hey, do you know their original name? Um, I'm trying, uh, it was Fever something. What was the original name? Well, I have the hype. Okay. Um, There's the another hype. one though. I've got it right there here. There was. No, no, you, you're, you're right. I'm just trying to find it in my notes here. I suddenly got old all of a sudden. I don't know what the hell happened to me. Um, the feed, okay. Feedback. Feedback. The that's right. Feedback, the hype, and then you too. Yeah. And they said uh, feedback because it was just one of the few ter- terms that they knew. But <laughs> you know what? Let's, uh, we'll talk about the name in a little while. But uh, the next thing on our list is, like any good band, they've been on The Simpsons. Okay. And one of the, did you ever see the episode where they're on? With yes. The, the, and they sing the song, The Garbage Man. Yeah. <laughs> set, to the, or set to the tune of Candyman. Yeah. I think what actually makes that whole episode, for my money, is when they're doing the concert and they have the screens of which you spoke and they take Homer backstage, the, the roadies, and they beat him up and it's on the screen while he's singing <laughs> Pride in the Name of Love. Uh, I just think it's one of the most hilarious, <laughs> like, you know, take him backstage, boys. And all you see Homer getting, you know, slugged and beaten up. Um, but I, I think that um, they were one of the first huge, huge, huge bands to, to kind of guest. And then not only did they just lend their voices to, to characters, they actually recorded a song specifically for the show. Yeah. And I mean, come on. And, and they do the garbage man. Yeah. Well, that's what we say. You know, you've made it when you're on The Simpsons, right? Yeah. And they've done some pretty big acts on there. Yeah. All right. Let's do one more and uh, we'll take our a break after that. So. We were just mentioning a few minutes ago, they've been around since 76 without a lineup change, but I love this, you know, the name of the school in Dublin, uh, Mount Temple Comprehensive School is where they met. <laughs> and uh, Larry Mullen was was trying to put the, uh, Larry Mullen Jr. was trying to put to get the group together and he was going to be the leader. And he said that lasted for about 10 minutes until Bono walked in. And that was it. And when Bono walked in, you know, it was very obvious who was going to be leading that group, but Pretty clear, pretty clear. And when we come back, we'll talk about where they got the name U2. Yes, let's do that. So, are you ready to take a break? I'm always ready to take a break. I can use some water. Yeah, me too. So, uh, (laughs) we'll do the birthdays and we will be right back. For the birthdays, we're going to go to February the 28th. And first up, in 1942, Brian Jones, who was a founder of the Rolling Stones, was born. Next up, we're going to go to 1948, and we saw the arrival of Jeff Nichols, who was a longtime member of Black Sabbath. In 1957, Cindy Wilson of the B-52s was born, and also joining us in 1957 was Ian Stanley from Tears for Fears. And now, let's get back to the show. And we are back, and uh, Aaron, let's talk about where the name U2 came from. There's a, a pretty neat story behind this as well, but uh, you go ahead. Well, they, I, I don't know if we read the same story, but what I read was they they, they, they liked the ambiguity of the name. Yes. That it can be open, uh, open to any interpretations. It can be used in many different ways. They just like the fact that it didn't kind of have 
one specific meaning. And and I think they were smart because it's a name that hasn't hasn't aged at all. You know, well, no. In fact, in this uh, in the age of digital media, it's perfect. It's almost <laughs> it's almost foreshadowing, right? A hundred percent. So I mean, I think that they and and it's and it's so easy to remember. Well, it is. You and know? you know, I uh, what I read was that they they had a list of about six. That's right. That they yeah. were considering, and that was the one that they disliked the least. Exactly. Like, Let's go with that. <laughs> well, true, true punk, true punk style, you know. But uh, it's it, it was a great name then, and it's an even better name now. So, yeah, I'm absolutely. With you. I, and yeah. like I said, it almost feels like they were foreshadowing something choosing a name like that. You know. Well, I think a lot of people thought they were referring to you know bombing bomber planes and all this kind. They had nothing of the kind. It's just a, as you say, there's the the, the name they. They disliked less than other names, I guess. <laughs> I love stories like that. I can tell you, I've been in a few bands, and finding a name for a band is harder than putting together set lists. It is so difficult. And you sit there, you know, because half of the guys think, oh, yeah, that's good, and the other half don't like it, and it's just... Yeah, I can't even... Listen, when I submit articles to the to Spill magazine, I, I never... Uh, Wonderful Stephen, he goes at titles because I can't for the life of me. I'm terrible. I had the most horrible titles of all time. And, and <laughs> it's just horrible. So yeah, I'm, I, I can't even imagine naming a band. I'd probably come up with a, you know, the Diggers or something silly. you know. But. Well, and I remember one time sitting around with one group of guys and we started drinking and uh, coming <laughs> up with band names. And I mean, I won't repeat them on air, but there were some very funny ones, which I'll tell you about later. But. <laughs> Off area. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you have a favorite U2 song? I mean, I like a whole bunch, but I have one that stands out in particular. Uh, okay, go for it. Is All I Want Is You. Oh, um, I did. I wasn't going to go with that one, but okay, good. And um, I've played that song quite a few times. Uh, and it's one of the songs that I'm able to play on guitar because I'm not a fantastic guitarist. You know, I'm a passable guitarist. Uh, but I love that song and I love singing that song. I, it just connects with me uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, there are other ones that I really like as well, but that one was the first one that came to my mind when I was thinking about that. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I love so many. And, and two, I had to tell, I, could, I couldn't get it down to one. I had to go with two. So one uh, is Angel of Harlem. Oh, I love Angel of Harlem. It's such a great song. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's, a, it's one of my top ones too. Yeah, and I mean, Billie Holiday, and I mean, mm. of course, you know. And the other one is a song that you talked about briefly, but the, the Grammys, because it won a Grammy for Song of the Year called Beautiful Day. Yeah, another good one. Uh, a beautiful song, you know, which is which Bono said was, was basically about a person who's lost everything, can still find joy in, in what he still has. And it's it's uh, one of those songs that just moves me to this day. Like, it just, it's it's an incredible, incredible work. And again, some great instrumentation in there, and... Um, so those are my two favorites. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, and you know, I, it always just Im impressed me how, well, very much like the Beatles did, right? Reinvented themselves. And uh, quite a few times, too. Uh, after Rattle and Hum turned around and did a whole 180, uh, yeah. Rattle and Hum. I personally liked Rattle and Hum a lot, but I know it got panned a little bit. But uh, yeah. I, I don't know why, because I really enjoyed it. And, and I think the songs from there are fantastic, but... I think it got panned because it came out after Joshua Tree. Oh, I think I they had so, so much to live up to after that album. It's like you know, what do you what do you follow one of the biggest albums of all time with? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in that position. No matter what they had done, 
it would have, you know, in my opinion, anyways. Yeah, but it, personally, I, I'm a Rattle and Hum fan, so. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Huge. Well, here we are with our number one point, and we've touched on this uh, earlier in the episode, but I think it, it does bear touching on again, uh, is just their reputation for being socially and politically conscious right away. You know, you look at, I remember the first song that I heard by U2 uh, when I was, I was mentioning in high school, some guys uh, were into U2 was Sunday, Bloody Sunday, right? And you don't get much more political than that. But the, right from the beginning, they were not afraid to take a stand and and uh, are known for that. Yeah, it was, it was... Well, they take a stand, but it's, it's, I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way. Sometimes an artist will take a stand. You think, do you even know what you're talking about? Yeah. Whereas, you know, you, you know, Bono's met with world leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, he sat down, in, much like John Lennon, who met with, you know, Trudeau. Bono was met with, you know, the British prime minister, the Irish prime minister. I mean, he's not, he's, he's a bright, bright man. Oh, incredibly so. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think whatever they do and, and like, let's face it. When they did Live Aid, that concert, they stole that bloody concert. I mean, that was theirs. Mm-hmm. Them and Simple Minds, for my money. But <laughs> um, now there's a band we should talk about one day, Simple Minds. Yeah, I mean, there's so many uh, I love that band. And but, I was actually thinking earlier, we were talking about uh, Angel of Harlem. You know, we've got to do an episode about Billie Holiday, too. Okay, I love Billie Holiday. Me, too. I I, um, I just think she's... And I thought... And, and, I, I, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I got into Billie Holiday because of you, too. You oh, know, okay. I was a yeah. young man, heard Angel of Harlem. I thought, well... And I mean, I knew who she was, but I didn't know her music. And then I started listening to her stuff. I thought, yeah, okay, this is good. And the good way stuff. that she got treated by the government. It was an unbe- unbelievable oh. story. We, we have to do an episode about that. Yeah. Because if, if anybody doesn't know about that, it is alarming, the way that she was treated. Yeah. That's no, no other word for it. No other word for it. So, I mean... Well, Aaron, this has been incredibly fun talking about you two tonight, but uh, it's time for us to put on our grumpy old men hats, if you can believe that. I might wear mine all the time. So what is uh, what's eating at you tonight? What's your get off my lawn moment well, here? I'm gonna. I know we had talked about doing one thing, but I'm gonna switch gears here. Okay? Yeah, okay, let's save mind. that other one for next week. Okay. So here's here's and this came about because of this past weekend in Toronto. We had a lot of snow, and I was shoveling a lot. And what I noticed was that people would shovel their driveways after our little side street's been plowed, and push the snow on the road. I mean, not just a little bit of snow. I'm talking, you know, the, okay, folks, why would you push snow on a freshly plowed road? The, the plow is not coming back to get your little stack of snow. It's staying there. So that's my little, uh, just consideration. I know, I know shoveling's a pain and I got mountains of snow on both sides of my driveway, but like, look, if the plow's coming, shove it out. If the plow's coming, gone, stack it up. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And you, you live in a, yeah, I am with you. And you live in a neighborhood, right? So how high are your snow banks right now? Are they pretty tall? Yes. I'm, I'm and I'm in a cul-de-sac. So okay. I'm, we're at the very end of the cul-de-sac. And, and, uh, so all the wind and everything else. Well, I would say that on the right hand side, the snow banks about four, four and a half feet. And on my left side, it's probably about three only because I think I've destroyed my, my hedges. <laughs> 
the weight of snow is weighing them down. <laughs> so there you go, folks. Do not, please, put your snow out into the road. Please. Especially just... especially in Toronto when the uh, you don't want the military getting called out. See, I didn't go there this time. <laughs> <laughs> and I could tell by the look on your face right now that you knew I was going there. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> Okay, well, you know what? We should take our six degrees of Beatlemania break. So let's do that. I'll cue up the theme music. Uh, I love Rick's tune that he wrote for this. And uh, we'll be right back. Okay, let's do some Beatlemania. Well, there's so many. You yes, know, there are. Believe it or not, there's a lot. And I, I, I narrowed it down to two. So the, the, then I thought, well, I'm going to go with one. But i got to briefly mention one other one. That is U2's wonderful cover version of Helter Skelter. And on the Rattle and Hum album, Bono introduces it by saying, this is a song that was stolen by Charlie Manson. We're stealing it back. Yeah, I love nice. that. See, I'm getting shivers. But the other thing I want to talk about is not Live Aid, but Live 8, which was many years later, uh, and was a very politically driven concert about the group, you know, the, the, the financial group of aid, the countries, the wealthy countries. The show opened with Paul McCartney and U2 doing an incredible version of of uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And folks, if you can dig it up on YouTube, it's well worth watching. It's it's It brings tears to your eyes. It's so good of, of uh, them just rocking out on Sgt. Pepper. So that's the six degrees, I think. I think those two are the ones that come to mind. But there's so, so many. Yeah, there are a lot, but those are excellent. Yeah. Well, you know, it is that time. But you know what I realized? And I and I didn't mention last week, but last week was our was the show's 35th episode. We keep hitting Jeez, these sir. milestones. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Wow, jeez. Congratulations to you, though. But it's I mean, a, you've, you've shouldered those, I mean, but the congratulations. Well, you know, another five episodes and you'll be on half of the... Stewie Tune oh, Show. Oh no, runs. that's, so that's great. great. That's that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. And we'd like to give a big shout out to our fans in Ireland. This one was for you and uh, for everybody else who listens and who shares our show on social media. Michelle so, Dorgan. So, Michelle Dorgan. She loves you too, by the way. Hey, Michelle, I know you love this band, so this is for you too. Well, Get that's it, right. you too. <laughs> <laughs> but we... Uh, one of my favorite things about podcasting is you, you do have a very close connection with your fans. And um, thank you so much for listening to us and sharing our posts and letting people know about the show. And we look forward to uh, putting out these episodes for you. And for anyone out there who wants to donate to the show, there is an option now. And you can find that on the show notes. Uh, there's always a link on the show notes, but there's also a link on the website on stewytunes.com and uh, that helps just cover some fixed costs for the show yeah but as always uh, we really appreciate you for being a fan of the show and listening we truly do and we love hearing from you uh, if we don't respond I apologize but we we read everything you write and we, we really enjoy communicating with you so yeah absolutely you. Yeah. and the music for today's show was written by my good friend and musical partner Rick Denis and I think uh, before we go, we should do our sign-off, Aaron. So until yes. until next time, stay safe, be well, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Stewie Tunes Show. Follow us on social media or visit us online at stewietunes.com. 
And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to click subscribe.